Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Matthew, here we are back again. How are you today, my brother? I'm good, good. In my happy place, as you could say. Yeah, and I can see it all over your face. Hey, we were talking a little bit before we started to record. In one respect, this is this story you told me is your nature anyway, it's just who you are. But it sounded like you got inspired by a Sent 315 conversation recently. Uh, tell me about it. I mean, I did, but I especially got inspired, I guess, by Linda Hoffman and the 45-second rule. So what I did, coming to work, I saw this guy sitting at the gas station. He didn't appear to be homeless or anything. He had a motorcycle behind him. He wasn't at the pump, but he was sitting at the curb. And as I drove by, I just felt like an unction that I needed to go talk to the guy. But I was already running late for work. And I'm like, <laughs> God, you know, I have to set up everything. There's another microphone. You know, I just kind of like rationalized it and was like, surely, God, that's not what you want me to do. Surely. Got to the gate and like it just was so strong and it's like how could how can you go into work and do a show about being sent <laughs> and, and interacting with the people that god puts in your life and not do something so i just walked over there it's like you know 20 paces away i, I walked over there and just looked at the guy and said hey man is everything okay and he said yeah i just need some gas to get home and i said uh, and, and and i've been there i mean I, I i've had to go help a ton of times things happen you forget your wallet or you just run out of money or whatever whatever it is yeah. you know so i asked i had five dollars on me i said hey man would you know would a gal less than a gallon help you it's a motorcycle you know so <laughs> five dollars used to fill it up right? right right you know but you know actually it was a motorcycle and it actually yeah. it actually did help him it was able to help him get home and it was just that quick and i just said you know what man i just want you to know i don't know how your day's going i don't know what your life is like but i do know this you're so important to god that as i was driving by in a hurry and like i'm in a hurry to get to work i work right here but I, you're so important to god that as i was driving by he said don't worry about work i'll take care of that come back over here and help this guy out yep. you know or just go talk to this guy and i said i just want you to know that's how much god loves you now I work at a church. We go to church over here. It's a great church. If you ever are lonely or ever just want to come and get involved with a group of people that will love on you, come check us out. He's hit my phone up twice already. Since <laughs> so it's beautiful. You know, you never know. I mean, you really just never know. Yeah. And I was intentionally trying to be short, like, you know, yeah. because um, I don't want to waste his time and take right. up his time. I just want yep. to plant a seed, you know? Well, that's why we do this, isn't it? Yeah. If we can inspire you, we've got to be able I mean, to inspire other people. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of inspiration, I'm so excited to have this conversation that we're going to have with the key doses. Peter and Linda are with us. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks, you. Thank you. So glad you're here. And I would do an introduction, but I think that the whole conversation is going to be an introduction into your lives. And seriously, you're two of the humblest people that I know, and you amaze me. So Linda, do you have a moment in time where you just gave your life to Jesus? Okay, the first time I gave my life to Jesus. this I lived in the South Bronx, and I was a street kid. And this bus pulled up, and they said, if you want to go to camp, just get your parent to sign this form. So I signed it. <laughs> yeah, it was in the fifth grade. And I oh just got on the bus and went to camp. Did your and parents know you were going I to I didn't camp? have parents. I had a 
very not well parent. And her story is phenomenal in itself. But I got on the bus, went to camp, and the pastor said, you know, Jesus is going to put you in this wheelbarrow. And I'd seen Niagara Falls, believe it or not. And he goes, he's going to take you across Niagara Falls and you'll never have to worry about anything. And I went, that sounds good to me. <laughs> my kind of person. So, plus, I love the food that they fed me. I mean, I was always hungry as a child. Yeah. And they just fed us a lot of good food at camp. And I had to see. It was just a lovely place to get saved. So I did it. And I think the Lord took it seriously. I mean, I, <laughs> I didn't I didn't particularly change. I did. I started trying. Okay. You know. And then it took a long time later. As I was an adult, I was wretched. And I went to another a charismatic convention in Atlantic City. And the priest said, if you want to give your life to Jesus, stand up. And I'm like, it's such a bad life. If he wants it, he can have it. <laughs> so I stood up. I'm like, take it. This please. is a bad trade for yeah, him. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, he's getting the short end of the stick. So then fast forward, Peter and I met, and, yeah. and I had two little kids. And so I'm dating him, and I'm thinking, I'm supposed to do this. We're not supposed to date non-Christians, I'm pretty sure. And he did. And then he knelt down at our home group and got saved. And so then it was straight on till morning. Yeah. You know. yeah. That missionary dating sometimes works out. It did yeah. for us. It did for us. <laughs> you know, you touched on your relationship and your story with your mom. I, I think it'd be good to share that too. My my mom's story is so phenomenal. She was molested as a child. She was like, I don't think she was even quite a teenager, by someone in her church. Mm -hmm. Got pregnant, had a child, and was her family just left her. Her own mom had died. Her father abandoned her. So she her life was just wretched. And then she started to slowly develop mental illness around that. Her son died. The son that she gave birth to died. And so she just was mentally ill, but a brilliant woman, but very, very sick. And so she gave birth to me and my brother. I have no clue who my father was or is, except my heavenly father. So sometimes I think I'm better off, you know, because mm -hmm. I got the good father. Mm -hmm. But she put my brother in the apartment that we were living in and set fire to the house. And my brother was saved. The Lord spared his life. A fireman came in and rescued him. And nobody else was dead from that fire. She took me to a SRO and just left me there. And in my recollection, I was three years old. I remember being there and the sun going down, the sun coming up and the lights coming on through the window. And again, a lovely policeman. I have this love of policemen <laughs> that's not common in the African-American community because they saved me. But he came in and he took me out. And then I was placed in a foster home with a pedophile. So I spent from the time I was three until I was well into like late middle school living in this home. Meanwhile, my mom was incarcerated in a place for the criminally insane. Mm. While she was in there, she cried out to the Lord 
and said, I want to raise my kids. She had heard about him. She knew about him. She got a hold of a Bible somehow. And she just said, well, she'd been raised in the church, you know. But she said, I, I need you, Lord. I really, I just need you so I can go raise my kids. And she told the psychiatrist that she had to see every day she'd gone through. They put her through electroshock therapy and all those kinds of tortures yeah. they used to yeah. do. And he said, there is no God, Florence. There's no God. But I'll make you a deal. If you can take the ferry over to New York City every day, get a job for a year, I'll sign your papers to the judge to get you forgiven. So she prayed, and that's what she did. She went, got on the ferry, went across, got a job as a silk screener, and came back and forth and got released and came and got my brother and I out of foster care. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, that is a miracle in itself. Amazing. And she did her level best to raise us in a faith-filled home. It wasn't easy because she was still psychotic. So she, up until the time she died, she was struggling with mental illness. But the Lord delivered her from alcoholism and drug addiction, and she had a roof over her head and yeah. a productive life. And she used to go downtown and hand out tracts <laughs> down in the red light district. <laughs> there you go. She'd take the bus down, and she would just get a stack, and she'd sit there and hand them out to people and pray for people. She loved to pray for people. Now, there's just there's an amazing quality to your lives. There's all sorts of miraculous things. This supernatural, miraculous quality pops up in your life all over the place. I just was sent a text this morning about an hour <laughs> before the show, and... Uh, it was a text of you, Peter, yes. and you had, were in a hospital bed and had all sorts of tubes stuck in you. And I thought, this might make him late for the show. <laughs> and I, the person who sent me the text, okay, it was Linda. <laughs> and I said, what the heck? Is this history? Is this current? What happened to Peter? I knew you had been in the hospital before. And then she didn't text me back. And then I called her. And do you know her voicemail box is not set up? And so I'm panicking. Oh, my gosh. I just texted him at 6 o'clock this morning. Sorry about that one. And then I got a hold of you, and you go, oh, no, we were just reminiscing. You look very attractive <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. in it. But uh, can you tell me, just share that story. Yeah, just to give a little background history, when I was 17, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. So I've, had, I've been battling with that for a couple of years. And I've had surgeries. I've had three bowel resections over the history of this disease and um, lots of different battles with it. It's not a fun disease to deal with. The last surgery I had was real hard on me. I almost didn't make it through. It was just too taxing. But that was about 10 years ago. And so it seems like the surgeries happen every 10 years. And it, it, what happens with Crohn's disease is that it you get inflammation on your intestines and then the scar tissue builds and it eventually narrows the intestine. Where they cut out the old intestine and reconnected it to the colon, had narrowed again. And part of the monitoring of the disease is you get colonoscopies every year or every six months or whatever. And the last few ones the doctor says that particular area was 
more narrow than a pencil, a number two pencil. It was so small, it couldn't, things were not going to pass through there. And I started having symptoms of that, bloating and lots of pain when I would oh, eat man. certain things. And so I had one of those episodes. And sometimes when it gets so bad, I go to the emergency room. And so that's where I was. I was this was about a year ago, almost a year ago. It was August 8th that yeah. Linda said that picture was. Where I was, and I wasn't, my intestine was not working at all. So they had put in the nasal, gastric nasal tube and it was draining my stomach and they were getting all kinds of fun stuff out of there. And yeah, I was laid up in the hospital for three or four days. And of course, Linda decided to take a picture of me. <laughs> well, why not? It's a natural thing to do. <laughs> right. Linda being the person that she is, she automatically goes to prayer. So she sent the picture out and asked pe for people to pray. And about the third day, all of a sudden, things started to change. I was feeling better and they took the tube out and all the symptoms were gone. And I was scheduled to have surgery in November, around November last year. So I told my GI doctor, I go, hey, can we do a colonoscopy? Not just for fun, but just to see what, you know, they if there's been so, any changes. so, fun. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I was feeling different. I knew something had changed. And so she went in there and they looked and it, it opened up, which does not happen. Things do not open up. Scar tissue does not recede. So it had opened up and that's, and that's what, <laughs> that's what became of that healing right there. I mean, that's, it was just it's God that opening it yeah. up for me. I mean, I still, I battle with symptoms here and there, but things are a lot better than they were. The reason that I wanted those two snapshots is because this show is about being about the Lord's business. And some people say, well, I can't do that. You don't know the background. You don't know how hard my life was and the things that I went through. I just, I have nothing to give. I can't, I can't do it. Or I have medical condition that is really challenging. And the answer is you can and the Lord will partner with you. Even if it's a crummy deal for him, he'll take your life <laughs> and he'll give you his life. And that's one of the things that I see with you guys, that he has given you his life and that you give it away. And you mm -hmm. do it in a way that I love. We hung out, I wanna talk about ministry for a little while. Okay. Because there's all different ways to, um, to share the Lord with people. I maybe caught up with you when you had an idea that maybe it'd be a cool thing to hang out at Juvenile Hall because right. parents are going through a tough time, right? Yes. How'd that whole Juvenile Hall thing start? We have a son who is adopted and he's had a hard life and it wasn't anything he did to, he made some choices, but he was got a rough start from his biological mother. And he spent some time in juvenile hall. He was in there for six months. And he was 12 years old at the time. And it was very hard for all of us. And they had, ju juvenile hall had, had, at that time, they had visiting days on Thursdays and Sundays. And Sundays started from like nine to noon, I think, something like that, or eight to noon. And you just get up, there's a line of these sad parents waiting to get into juvenile hall every Sunday. Mm. Um, and so we decided, or mostly Linda decided, I kind of rode her coattails on this one. There's something that we could do for those parents that while they're just waiting to get in. It took us a couple, a couple of years to get things going, but we'd get a box of donuts and some coffee and just have, so when they came out, we'd have coffee and donuts for them. And 
you know, prayer. We had a prayer list out there for people, and we'd send it out to the prayer list to our home group and everybody who wanted to, and then just to pray for them, and it would just to talk to people and just kind of touch their hearts or try to. Well, and also touch the hearts of some of the, whatever they call the guards. The guards, yeah. Yeah, yeah we did have guards that would come out. We'd, every once in a while, we'd get an uh, extra dozen donuts for the guards or <laughs> some coffee for them, but they would always come out and partake, and they'd talk a little bit too. That and, and other ministries you do that I want to talk about, it just seems like it's just saturated with a very genuine love. You know, just done in love. That you're loving on these people, you're giving the love of Christ to these people, and it just is genuine. That's my take on it. When I hung out with you there, I think one time, and is that the driving compelling force? You know, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, good. Educate <laughs> me. I, I think it's God's love because I would argue with the Lord. I don't feel like, how long am I have to do this for? You know, we're missing our Sunday service. We have to go Saturday and we're tired. And if this happens in ministry all the time with us. I don't feel like doing this. But on the other hand, you didn't feel like hanging on that cross, did you? You know, just we're just going to do it. And then in the process, you connect with someone and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I'm glad we yeah. can Every Sunday we would drive back and say, wow, I'm so glad we were there because yeah. they needed us this Sunday. But on the way there, not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the genuineness of it because quite frankly, when you don't have that love, I mean, Linda said she came to the conclusion that she didn't love the lost. And then she was in a meeting and people were crying for the lost and all of a sudden the love of God just fell on her and she goes, wait a minute, now I love him. And it's his love, right? Because if you're doing it in your own ener energy and in your own emotional love, you're going to run out. I don't know. I, I would. I don't, maybe you guys wouldn't. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I totally get that. Let's talk about the bus outreach. <laughs> okay. Well, this goes back to our son again, because he would go to Future Quest and see Bill Wilson, and all the kids were always affected by Bill Wilson when sure. they would see him. So he was starting, it's like young teenage years, preteen, and it was he was starting to drift off. And I said, well, let's try this. Let's go volunteer to work on the buses, him and I, and we'll see how that goes. And he came along for a few trips, and then he kind of didn't want to do it anymore, but I stuck around and Linda started joining me and we were bus captains for a while. And then we had our bus and we used to, our route and we used to bring food on the bus to feed the kids. We'd just make grilled cheese sandwiches or we'd bring a bag of tangerines or peanut butter and jelly, whatever, bananas, you know, whatever we could have. And those kids are always so hungry. And then COVID hit, so everything was shut down. Well, actually, I think what happened is my mom got sick. So we had to stop because I had to start take care of my mom. And then... Um, uh, Don called us, Don Bastrom called us into his office and said, hey, they're going to revamp the bus ministry. They're going to keep the bus kids over here and they're going to do this and do that. And we'd like to feed him. And he goes, yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to get Pop-Tarts and donuts and have breakfast every So we kind of looked at each other and I said, well, how about if we make breakfast for the kids? And it kind it's taken off from there. Dude, your breakfasts are amazing. Um, they are legends. <laughs> those are Linda's breakfasts. Okay, yeah, I see you in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm right? just the helper, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell me some of the menu items for breakfast. I Go ahead. Oh, They're I, your we've, creations. <laughs> we've had some really good stuff. Yes, you have. We had those sandwiches. Those Monte Cristo sandwiches. Monte Cristo. Oh, Sylvia loves Monte Cristo. Oh, they're so <laughs> good. We've had strawberries dipped in chocolate. We do eggs, scrambled eggs, and potatoes, and a meat, sausage, bacon, or ham. We have 
waffles. We had waffles a couple weeks ago. Waffles and fried chicken a couple weeks ago. That was a good one. Uh, Sometimes it's not breakfast cheese. food. Nah. No, we've had Linda make cinnamon rolls, so we've had cinnamon rolls. At, oh, at, I remember at, those. at uh, Christmas time. But then in the holidays, we always try to have a, a meal, like a family meal, like you were yeah. saying. We Thanksgiving, we have we always open it up to our home group and. People come through, they bring in turkeys, they'll bring in side stuffing, it's mac lovely. and cheese, whatever they yeah. have. Uh, we try to do a ham at Easter. I, I have this picture on my phone that's my favorite picture. If I get sad, I look at it. It's this little boy, and his face is covered in whipped cream. <laughs> and he's got this big, giant <laughs> smile on his face. And I go, okay, Lord, my life is not wasted. It's so encouraging. Yeah. So let's shift and 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 give some encouragement or equipping to the people that are listening. So, you know, you, you pretend to be uh, normal people. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking to- I do try uh, to keep that facade up. Yeah. Yes. We're, we're really proud of our humility. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So you two normies, how would you encourage somebody who's listening who goes, wait a minute, I think I might see myself there. I might be able to do some part of that. How would you encourage them? What would you say to somebody who goes, wait a minute, how do I do that? Just try it. <laughs> I think, I know Linda says it's the love, but to me, it seems like there's a need. And if we see the need, we try to step in and, yeah. and just help out whatever we can do. We've tried things and they haven't worked for us. Like the bus captain thing was, it was hard working that bus ministry because it takes up not only all day Sunday, but all day Saturday doing visitations. And it was yeah. a lot for us. So we couldn't really do that. But the breakfast thing, I knew we could hang with that. Yeah. Because Linda's a great cook. So I knew that would work out. You got to try things and just see what works for you. I mean, something may work and it may not. We've had things that we have tried. I know I've tried a couple of things and I wasn't able to do them. Yeah. But you go ahead and fail. Poke around yeah. and see what's out there and everything isn't going to be a win for sure. Right. Exactly. And every little bit counts. There have been times in my life where all I could do was stuff envelopes or fold papers or whatever, clean bathrooms. I've done church bathrooms before, but every little bit counts. It doesn't matter. Somehow the Lord shows up in the bathroom when you're cleaning, you know, mm -hmm. it just, whatever it is you can do, do it. Just do something. We had a friend when you're going to church up in Crest named Tyrone, and he, had, he would always say, if the doors to the church are open, you need to be in there. Mm. And so I take that to heart a little bit. There's things that need to be done and I can do it, I try to help. I would just like to turn it completely over to you and what message, what would you like to tell the people that are listening? So you've got their attention right now. This scripture has been in my head ever since you called Peter. It's Malachi. Okay. And it's the part that says, but for you who, I can't remember if it's fear my name or reverence my name, Son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth again, skip about like lambs running from their stalls at last. That's such a beautiful picture, and I just think that's God's heart for us. You know, that the Son of righteousness rose, and there's healing in his wings, and he wants us to be free, like lambs coming out of their stalls, just jumping around, having yeah, a good time. I can see that. Yeah. So I thought about these lists of prayers. You can see it's not lengthy stuff. It's like a grocery list. I write down, these are the things I need you to do, Lord. I learned this from my mom. 
And then when he does it, I cross it out and put the date it's on it. There's a lot of crossed out there's prayer a, there's requests. There's so wow. many things here. And Peter's healing is on here. Because, you know, we were praying and praying, and God did it. I remember sitting in that hospital thinking, I'm here all by myself. I don't have family. I don't have anybody. But when I texted the church, I could feel, you know what? Paul talks about a cloud of witnesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It felt like there was a cloud around me of people praying. So encouraging. And then when the surgeon came in and said, I don't understand it. I don't know what happened, but we're not doing <laughs> surgery today. I love oh, it so. when doctors don't understand. <laughs> I love doctors, period, but I love it yeah. when they go, hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so good. That's all I got to say. The thing I want to say is the payoff. We work the bus kids mostly, but to see them come in and they're expecting food and they're not the most polite people on earth, as kids are nowadays, but to, you just talk to them and they're so happy when they got the food and they, especially they can come back and get seconds or thirds, you know, if they mm -hmm. find something they really like. And we have food for them. It's just, the payoff is just great. And the same thing with working at Juvenile Hall, watching the parents when they come out, and just being there and for them to have somebody who can relate to their problem, it's just incredible to see the connection between them. And it seems like it's us, but it's them and God, I think, yeah. working through us. Yeah, it's amazing how far feeding and listening will go because a lot of kids, not just food, food's really good, but what they're getting fed and how it feeds their souls. And then adults listening to kids, they don't get that very much. I've talked to young people who say, you're the, you're, you're the only person that stopped and listened to me like all day. And, and they need that. It creates a relationship and an opportunity to really be used. Right. Yeah, I think the payoff, the, there's one message I'd like to get out. The payoff is way more than we put in. Yeah. We get a lot more out than we put in. It's awesome. So, Linda, would you mind praying for the people that are listening? No. All right, let's go. Oh, Father, we enter your gates with thanksgiving. Thank you for the people that are listening, Lord. Would you, Father, empower the words that were spoken to speak what you want to speak to them, Lord? In their deep places, would you tell them what you want them to hear and just shower love and empowerment over your children in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.